This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer and a communications uh, person for NTEU Chapter 49, again, based in the state of Indiana, where we represent most of the IRS employees here. We welcome you back to another episode of the Chapter 49 podcast, and allow me to once again introduce... Our chapter president for Chapter 49, Duncan Giles. So, uh, good day to you, Duncan. Good afternoon, Larry. It's always good to be here with you. Yeah, and I think that we uh, need to see, need to understand that uh, we all should feel good about the fact that spring is here, and that uh, it's just—I don't know about you, but I always have a good feeling as warm weather just slowly begins to move in. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Indiana, so if you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes, it'll change. But on the whole, I'm, I'm much and more in favor of uh, warmer weather coming in than colder weather coming in. Well, let's get started. We have a long list of items to discuss. The first one is something that just uh, happened. We're recording this, of course, on May the 7th in the afternoon hours, Eastern Time. And something uh, came across your desk, or you, I think, actually received a tip from somebody uh, that something is going to happen in the Taxpayer Assistance Centers. Please tell us what that will be. Yeah, I got uh, one of those uh, things I like to call tossed over the transom to me that uh, looks like the TAC offices are going to be reopening for the folks who are teleworking. And I alerted National NTU. And they had not heard about that yet and contacted Atlanta. And Atlanta did indeed say that they are uh, going to be opening these tacks because there are several offices that have not reopened and the service needs them back um, so that the taxpayers can be taken care of, which I understand. They did say that the employees will still be able to telework if no employees are ske- or no appointments are scheduled. So there'll be some days they can uh, work at home, even under this edict, just depending on how, on the traffic and the appointment load at their particular tax. So that's uh, that's that's a very interesting development, and I would expect that uh, NTEU was going to be hearing some some employees who may have trepidation about coming back into the office, but uh, if they are called in, uh, that does trigger a special legal sort of notification. Explain how that works. Yeah, that's one of those things where management does have the right to direct the work. And if they decide, uh, as they have with folks in the service center or certain employees and appeals, that they need to be in the post of duty to do their work, they can direct the employees to do that. So it looks like that that's where this is going to be coming from, that they're saying that um, now now I'm hearing that they... Uh, that this will be enforced right after filing season. So that's perfect for the IRS. We're going to reopen the tag right after the filing season ends. Um, but they legally can uh, do this. All right. So just be aware that that may come. And if anybody has a question that within chapter 49, contact you. But basically, uh, that is your job to work at the TAC. And if you're directed to come back in, uh, you must do so. And if you want to, if, if you've got some kind of health exception or something, you're going to have to work that out and maybe talk to you about that. Would that be fair? Exactly. Yeah. You, you need to talk to myself or if other chapters or folks are listening to this, they'd need to talk to their chapter leaders as well. But uh, 
the vast majority, you know, it's, it's like folks, like I said, service centers, uh, folks, some folks in appeals have already started going through this, that, yeah, we are starting to see folks being called back to the office slowly but surely. Let's move on to the next subject. And, you know, Duncan, we've been waiting for weeks for the Office of Personnel Management to issue regulations of what's called ARPA leave. It's the leave that was recently enacted by Congress, signed into law by the president, that allows extra forms of leave for federal employees in particular situations tied to COVID, let's say getting vaccinations recovery time, et cetera, and there are many others as well. So we have the OPM guidance, but we're not quite there yet. We have another hurdle to, to go through and tell us about that. Yeah, it's 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 always freaking something. In this case, you know, OPM took a long time, as you know, we have discussed on previous podcasts to get this uh, guidance out there. And now that they did, now, Treasury has got to say, okay, we need to figure out how we're going to implement this. From what we understand from National NTU talking to National IRS, IRS is, quote, eager to get this guidance out, but they have to wait for Treasury guidance on exactly how to implement it. We do believe, and I'm recommending to employees that they, uh, you know, if they have situations that uh, meet the guidance from the statute, that it should be retroactive. And National NTU has been great about getting out information to the members on this, directly to the members, which I was very, very happy to see. So the information is out there and go ahead and put in for it, but it may be a while before it's actually implemented, just like I said, because of the fact that they're waiting on Treasury to issue them guidance on how exactly to do the implementation. And I think it's more or less uh, the process about how you apply, get the approval. That's really, we're down to that now. Uh, so it's, it's good that at least we're in the last uh, stages, and, and the hope is it won't take too long. But I, you touched on something I'd like to mention to people, because NT's national office has been very good about sending out information to employees' personal emails, and uh, it just emphasizes if you're an NTEU member in Indiana, wherever you may be listening to this podcast, you know, you need to set up, if you haven't already, set up an account at nteu.org. It's very, very easy to do. Put your email address in there let them know you want email updates. And uh, you, you would have been, if, if you've already had uh, that uh, signed up, then you've been getting all these uh, pieces of information that are flowing from National NTU. And uh, if you're a member and are not getting those, get, get yourself on that system. It's uh, simple, easy, and it's a benefit you receive as uh, a member of the, of the union. So please don't be afraid uh, to do that. And uh, I think most people have, but if there are a few people who've been shy about it, now's the time to do it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that because NTU National doesn't sell the list. We don't send out spam, anything of that nature. The information that is being sent out is something that is going to impact your work life. So, you know, this is a great example of having that type of information. We're way ahead of the curve the vast majority of the time on information that impacts you before we send it out well before the IRS does. So I would wholeheartedly do that. And another point I do want to touch on that people have asked about, they're saying, well, they know the funds are limited on these on this particular part of the act. And they're worried that 
the funds will run out before the IRS gets their act together. Well, the good news slash good news uh, in italics is the fact that every government agency is going through this type of uh, configuration, trying to figure out how to implement it. So everybody's in the same boat. There's nobody that's racing ahead that's going to steal all the money that's out there for their employees, anything of that nature. So I, I, at this point, I do not see that as a concern. Do I think the money will go fairly quickly? I do, but I don't think it'll evaporate before IRS employees will get a chance to use it. So you want to make sure you get those retroactive applications in as soon as it's available. And, uh, and I, th- I think that uh, it's, it's very important to, to, to know, and I'm glad you made the point, that no, the VA and Defense Department and all the other federal agencies are not racing ahead of us. So, uh, well, <laughs> But we would encourage you, especially with that retroactive leave, to get that in as quickly as possible because there is a limit to the dollar figure. So uh, very good yeah, point. We're, we're, all, we're all government agencies. There is no... This isn't a tortoise in the hair. It's tortoise versus tortoise. Okay. <laughs> Very well put. Let's move on. You know, I think most of us, excuse me, most of us have traveled at some point, not everyone, but a number of us have traveled in our government work. And I know there were situations, for instance, when I wanted, I needed to travel from one city to another and uh, I might have wanted to drive, but the government was willing to fly me there. I had to do a cost comparison, comparing what it would cost for, to fly me there compared to the car cost. If I wanted to drive, fine, but if the flight was cheaper, I only got the reimbursement for the flight, which is understandable. Never thought that was a bad system. But something new has come on the horizon, and now all of a sudden, uh, people at IRS are saying, well, not only do you have to do that, but if you are driving to another city to uh, go do government work and spend the night, you have to look at private vehicle versus rental vehicle costs. This is something new. Tell us what's going on there. I wish I could tell you exactly what was going on in the thought process that came from this, but I haven't drank that much in a long, long time. Uh, This came out of the CFO's office, the chief financial officer, and basically they said that um, for folks that are going to be doing Uh, There are still folks that are out there doing some field calls. It's very limited, um, but there are uh, RAs, ROs out there doing this that they said, according to their interpretation, that they need to have a cost comparison between a rental vehicle and a privately owned vehicle, which, as you mentioned, is a quite a change. Um, I think it's 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 nuts. Um, and right now I do know that the, uh, director of collections has asked for counsel for an opinion from this on whether they really have to ask this or not, because we think that this is a lot more hoops than have to be done. We don't think it's a money saver. Like you said, the, between the vehicle and the aircraft, I could see that. I can see that airfare versus how much it would cost to take a car. That's reasonable. Asking for private versus rental car is just something that I don't think anybody ever fathomed before this came up. So there's considerable pushback. They're asking for counsel for an opinion on this, and NTU is is pushing back very hard on this change. 
especially at a time when rental cars are at a premium. I understand there's a shortage of rental cars, and the demand far outweighs uh, the supply. Just seems like a, a silly exercise to go through. So uh, it's good to know that our lawyers are talking to their lawyers, and maybe something <laughs> will be worked out eventually. Um, let's go on to something else. Uh, we've talked about this before, uh, particularly for people in toll-free. It could affect, affect people in the taxpayer assistance centers as they ramp up uh, again. But there is a requirement that if you're in a government office, you must wear your mask while you're in that office. And even if you're in your own cubicle, you're supposed to wear it, as I understand the uh, edict that has come down from on high, the White House, actually. And it's a, state, a safety measure, and there are reasons for that. But as you and I have talked about, particularly toll-free being the example where you're trying to talk to people on the phone all day long and your voice is muffled because of the uh, mask that you're wearing, and especially if you're trying to uh, talk to people about numbers, just specifics of of a law, you know, one little word out of place can make a difference and you don't want people to misunderstand. So there's been a discussion about waiving the mask wearing requirement if you're in a cubicle and away from other people while you're working. Uh, we've had no exception yet, but we understand it's in the works, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. And not only does it affect cubicles, but if you do not have a floor to ceiling walled office, which would impact folks like TCOs or managers in the vast majority of locations, then they have to wear masks as well. Right now, it is, um, you know, we've we've pushed back very hard on this one as well. And it's under review. Basically, we have to get an exception to the president's executive order. It's under review in the commissioner's office. Then it'll have to go to Treasury then it'll have to go, Treasury will have to talk to uh, the administration to get that, um, get an exception for that. So it's in the works. I am very confident that this will be changed, but it's like you said, it's not happening tomorrow and it's probably going to take a while. I, I truly believe that common sense will prevail in this one. Now, whether it'll be common sense prevailing in 2021 or 2022, that's where you place your money on. But um, I, I do believe that this will be uh, lifted. Well, Duncan, you just took a little time off in Las Vegas. So putting your money on things, I guess, is on your mind, isn't it? Uh, I Yeah. When a, when a friend of yours and his wife say, hey, we want you to come to Vegas with us and be his wingman at motorcycle auction, even though I know nothing about motorcycles, um, and they will take care of me, I was happy to go. I I did very little gambling, and uh, the, what little I did, I'm happy it was little. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm glad you had a when good. You do something like, when you do something like that after being vaccinated, um, it really blows you away how full the airplanes are, the airports, and uh, Las Vegas itself. It's it's kind of scary out there that people aren't paying enough attention still to wearing a mask to social distancing, things of that nature. But at least you had some time off. And I know, Duncan, you haven't had time away from the office for a very long time, so it's good to see you got a little time away. It, it's good for all of us to do that on occasion. But Absolutely. Uh, 
but let's go back to business here. And uh, you are, again, we will mention this again. We mentioned it before, that you are one of the permanent members of the NTEU bargaining team for the national agreement. It is the big agreement that really controls everything, almost everything in, in terms of labor relations between the IRS and NTEU. Now, you have been doing these talks on Zoom. You were supposed to return to in-person bargaining this month, but I understand that, in fact, is not going to happen. Nope, it is not. We have uh, two sessions in May, uh, this uh, the next two weeks, and because the IRS has deemed the negotiations for the national agreement not to be mission critical, wow. Um, we are going to be continuing to do this via Zoom. And the reason that, you know, nobody likes Zoom meetings, especially week-long ones, but the thing that I really think hurts it is when you're sitting at a table across from each other, there's a lot more conversation uh, back and forth going on. You can see, you know, you're, you're trying to get to that middle that works for employees that also meets the mission of the agency. And I think that's so much tougher to do via something like a Zoom meeting that it's only going to uh, prolong these negotiations. Yeah, and I, I, I just uh, can't imagine what it's like to uh, negotiate a big contract like this one and do it via Zoom. I just, uh, I know it's difficult, and you're right. You lose those personal touch moments that help sometimes in reaching a final agreement. And so you're probably not where you want to be just for that simple reason that you're detached with this whole Zoom meeting issue that you're dealing with. But uh, yes, I, uh, I know you're doing the best you can as is the entire interview. Uh, team. Now, I just want to remind people again, we are not talking about the substance of the negotiations at this point, uh, simply because uh, it's not the right thing to do at this point. But uh, we will when the time is right. Am I right there, Duncan? Oh, I'm thinking about writing a book. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, get your booking agent right away here. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of material, but absolutely. Yeah, we're not IRS nor NTU. Uh, is negotiating in public. That agreement was made early on, and I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. So we're not going to be talking about, like you said, until it's over the substance of this, but touching on how it's being done, I think, is fair game. Well, let's move on to a couple of other items before we uh, wrap this up. Uh, I know it's been almost, it's hard to believe, Duncan, it's almost 10 years now that I've been retired. And when I retired, I know there was a backlog at OPM. And it took some, I can't, can't remember how many months it was, but it was a number of months uh, before I had my final uh, paperwork run through for my retirement. And uh, there was an article recently that highlighted the fact that the uh, OPM's retirement processing backlog is now at an eight-year high and eight years ago it was very high so tell me uh, what we what we know about that because i i know it's of great importance to people who are at this point considering retirement and if you're considering retirement and you will not be getting your full annuity uh, for a number of months you need to be prepared for that absolutely correct yeah it's just one of those things that because it, it's, we've had a backup because of the pandemic. Everybody, every agency has done that. And OPM is no exception. 
And IRS is starting to get a handle on their retirement backlog. But then everybody, now that everybody, all the different agencies that are pouring them into OPM are starting to get that handle, that's creating the backlog at OPM uh, to make it a long, long wait before you start to see even partial uh, payments, much less the full payments. So if, if somebody's ready to retire, you're never going to hear me say, don't retire. Um, if you're ready to go, go. But be prepared financially that you're not going to be having those checks coming. You know, if you retire one month and saying, oh, I'm going to start getting checks the next month, I don't think that'll be happening for a couple months. And then it'll be the partial ones that are going to be very much reduced. So, you know, have a financial nest egg set aside so that you can carry yourself over until then. Plan ahead. If you're going to be retiring, plan ahead, get your paperwork in in plenty of time so that they'll give them the chance to process it. So just, you know, plan ahead, plan ahead, plan ahead is the key on that one. And let me emphasize one point you made, because there are a couple of tiers to this. Well, a number, but two major tiers. One is that IRS has to prepare your package before it goes to OPM. And, you know, the uh, as you mentioned, the, the pandemic has impacted every level of government service, including the IRS and every part of the IRS. So obviously it will take longer to get the IRS part of your retirement package done. And then it goes to OPM and they've got their own problems getting their staff back and and doing the processing that they need. So uh, those are the reasons why. It's not like the the government's punishing you or doing something evil. Uh, They're just trying to deal with pandemic and the lack of staffing or the difficulty in processing with the the way it all has to be done remotely in in, in many cases. So uh, just understand, you just have to face reality. And I would agree with you. I, I, I retired on the very day I was eligible, and it was a good decision by me. And I, I think that most people I've talked to said that. Uh, in fact, some people said, I'm sorry, I put off retiring. But on the other hand, in this day and age, you do have to be prepared financially. So um, very good advice. Yeah, I've never, I've never talked to somebody that was upset that they retired. Yeah, that's uh, and in fact, I talked to a lot of uh, people who had put off retirement. And when I talked to them later, they said the only regret they have is that they waited too long. So uh, and you do have to be prepared financially and everything. And I understand all that. I want to end this up uh, by talking about our national president, Tony Reardon. You know, we had our one-year anniversary in our previous podcast that we posted, and we had some fun with it, and we uh, we just talked about how we had spent the year trying to keep this podcast going and keep it exciting and keep it to to be something that people would want to hear. And he sent – Tony Reardon sent you and I both a personal email uh, congratulating us on one year and giving us compliments. And I think, you know, Amanda, at his position, uh, to take the time to do that is is just uh, uh, wonderful. And I think he does this for other people as well, not just to us. But I want to say something else. He uh, posted a commentary that was submitted on govexec.com, which is Government Executive Magazine's website. And and the, the upshot of his uh, commentary, and if you haven't read it, uh, go in and read that. It's, it's very, very, very good, very well written. I think his point is, especially at a time now where we have a lot of partisanship and it's uh, 
it's very difficult to get things done. There's a lot of sniping back and forth on the political scene. That a very important bedrock, one of the great bedrocks of our democracy, is the nonpartisan civil servant. And I don't think we think about that enough, that we really are a very important part of, of a democratic system. Yeah, and especially coming at the end of Public Service Recognition Week, as we are, it's it's just the work that we do is so vitally important, and it doesn't matter what party's in charge or you know what your political beliefs are. We do the work that needs to be done, and that goes across all governmental agencies. On a personal note um, about Tony Reardon, what you see in the videos that are out there about him what you see in the commentaries, that's him. This man is not, there. there's no artifice to him. He will tell you exactly what he believes. He will tell you exactly where he stands. And he, um, he and Jim Bailey, both our national vice president, are so passionate about federal employees and protecting the rights of federal employees. They truly believe it. This isn't a job to them. This is, this is something that they've dedicated their lives to. And we have a great many employees at National NTU that have done just that. They've dedicated their lives to protecting the rights and bettering the working conditions of federal employees that they represent. They truly believe this, and it, it just comes from their hearts. And, you know, we're we're not getting rich. Let me tell you, I'm not getting rich doing this job. I do it because I love it and I want to help people. And that's the same reason that they do what they do. Yeah, and, and you know, Tony Reardon is, a, is an interesting fellow because I, I don't remember meeting a person in a position like his who, who is so down to earth and understanding the rank and file. I'm not saying other people don't or past uh, national uh, NT presidents haven't done that. I just think... He takes it to a different level, and uh, he needs to be recognized for that. He's been kind to us, and I think it goes the other way. We really enjoyed having him on the podcast twice and hope he'll come back again when we have uh, more to talk about and, and national agreements and, and other issues that we can talk about once all this is said and done. So speaking of being said and done, I think that will uh, uh, be the end of our podcast, and I always give Duncan John the Junk and Giles, that is. I always give you the last word. Uh, what is your last word this week? Uh, my last word is, if you haven't already or on the fence about it, um, please, please, please get vaccinated. Um, after coming back and seeing, you know, hordes, literally hordes of people, um, even though I was just past two weeks of my vaccination, it made me very nervous. We don't know when people are going to be called back to the office. And I want everybody to be as protected as they can be as, you know, both physically and mentally. And I firmly believe that the COVID vaccinations are the way to do it. So I, I would strongly urge you to please do that. And if I can add something, I, I want to just say this. People should still, even if vaccinated, follow the CDC guidelines. For example, if you're inside if, or if you are 
um, in a large crowd outdoors, you really should wear the mask. Although we want an exception for people who are distanced from others in a in a call center, for example, we, we'd like to see an exception for that. By and large, if you're in an office with a lot of other people or any indoor situation, a movie theater, for example, you really should wear your mask even if you're vaccinated because the science is not clear as to whether even a vaccinated person could pass on the virus. Uh, the vaccination keeps you from getting it, the virus so severely you'll be in the hospital or risk death. But it, we don't know whether or not the vaccination will uh, cause you not to pass it on. We don't know enough yet. So please, uh, even though if, if you're back and you and I are both vaccinated, I still try to wear a mask where it should be worn just for the sake of the people around me. And that will be my comment. Just watch the guidance. There is a scientific reason that guidance is out there. Absolutely. And I, you know, out in Las Vegas, I was, unless I was in my room or actually in the pool, not around the pool, but in the pool, I was wearing my mask at all times. And that's what they were looking to do. And it's just not so much for my protection, but for the protection of everyone else. So Duncan uh, Duncan Giles, our chapter president for NTEU Chapter 49, and we'll wrap up uh, another week of NTEU Chapter 9 and the podcast. We do thank you for joining us. I just want to remind everyone that uh, we are on a number of uh, podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. So there are, most of the platforms you're familiar with where podcasts can be found, you can find it just by searching under Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. I produce a number of podcast series, but just look for the Chapter 49 podcasts on the list and you'll find it there. Once again, this is a production of Chapter 49, which represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. And we welcome all that are listening. And if you like this podcast, please share the word. Tell people how to, how to find it on these various platforms. And also, if you're, uh, for instance, on iTunes or some of the other platforms, uh, you can rate and comment on our podcast. We would certainly encourage you to do that. So once again, thanks for listening. And please be safe and be kind. <laughs>